This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Okay, welcome to the show. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Happy 112. January 12th, 112. And um, CC. It took me a second. I was like, as in the band? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. That's why I said that. Oh, I thought you were, well, I know, but I thought you were getting a Tom Brady joke in there oh, somehow. No, no. TV I, I, 12. I wasn't sure. I thought it no. was Patriots related. Yeah, no. yeah same. Wasn't quite sure me where to go. Great R&B, I'm glad R&B, R&B group, 112. Okay, yeah. yeah, shout out to uh, I'm a little dis- 112. We're the players well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I am a little distracted today because normally it's Smalls' is ice that's blinding around here. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Boom, there it is. Oh, did you hear can, the can you noise that makes? Super Bowl can, you ring. can we get a close-up right there? There oh. we go. There, you see that? That's beautiful. There's nothing quite shines like a Tiffany Super Bowl ring, right, Smalls? That is like Tiffany the, Super this Bowl This is the ring. size Boom. of my whole palm. Yeah. You know why? You know what we call that? We call that a 10-table ring. That means you can see it from 10 tables away. So thank you, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, wow. and the 2011 Patriots. I really appreciate y'all. From this? the bottom of my heart. Stop looking at me from with the that. Bo- no, from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate y'all. Patriots fans, all y'all, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yes. But no, I, I have to wear the Super Bowl ring, Smalls, because that's what everybody's playing for now, right? That's right. We're at Super Wild Card Weekend. It's the playoffs, so I had to flex with the Super Bowl ring. Remind everybody that I got one, and this is what it looks like. This is what's on the line, people. Yeah, yeah. This is what's on the line. Yeah. Glory, immortality, and a lot of diamonds. Absolutely. Wow, so, that's stunning. So in the most barbaric game that we have... In North American sports, the ultimate prize is a piece of jewelry. <laughs> you know what? We all want diamonds. We see? all love diamonds. Do you wear it on the middle finger on purpose oh, like yeah, that? Exactly. Yeah. I'm giving her. <laughs> I see that. He's wearing it on the middle finger. He's like, hey, this guy over here, Patriots fan. Good. I'm going to wear my Super Bowl ring on the middle finger to really dig in. We stomped everybody out. That's what Michael Strayon said. We stomped I cannot out. believe you keep that in your sock drawer. It's, it's nice though, right? It's a little bit smaller than nice? I thought. It's it's nice a little bit smaller than I thought, but yeah. I'm just saying. So when Nuno was complaining about me picking the Knicks and them losing last night to the Mavs without Luka Doncic, Nuno, just remember that I was a part of the team that got you a championship, the last New York City championship that we've ever seen. So just, All right, all right, great. But do me a favor. During the show, talk into the mic. You keep moving around. So please, oh my do me a favor. God. As the coach of the team, talk into the mic. Thank you, and thank you for that Super Bowl win. Oh, here we go. Here we go. See how wow. he treats, you see how he treats me? Wow. You see how he I treats mean, me? Javante, He's supposed to be my guy. Well, poor Javante's looking for a It's not poor Javante. I'm going to give him his money back. To sleep on I gave, I, I, it was a can't, he can't lose bet. I'm going to pay Javante back all the money that he put into the plays of the night the last two nights. I'm going to pay him back. You know what? We should really get it. No, no. Here we go. So, guys, um, what do you think about <laughs> just none of us talking to the mics right now? Wow. So, yesterday during our show, the news broke that Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft of the New England Patriots were going to have a press conference at noon Eastern time. Presumably, Schefter reported it, so guaranteed, to announce their parting of ways. That did happen. And Bill Belichick started the press conference and gave this to everyone after he took a shot at Tim Tebow, by the way, randomly. <laughs> I don't know how Tebow got strays in there in terms of we haven't seen this many people since Tebow showed up. But here is Belichick discussing the fact that they have mutually agreed to part ways. All right, morning. Seen this many cameras since we signed Tebow. Uh, Robert and I, after a you know, series of discussions, have uh, mutually uh, agreed to um, part ways. And uh, for me, this is a day of um, 
you know, gratitude and celebration. Um, start with Robert and his family. Um, it's great. So much thanks for the opportunity to, to be a coach here for 24 years. Uh, it's an amazing opportunity. Um, received tremendous support. Uh, we had a vision of, you know, building a winner, building a championship football team here. And uh, that's exceeded, exceeded my, my wildest dreams um, and expectations. Uh, the amount of success that we were able to achieve together, um, you know, through a lot of hard work and, you know, contributions of so many people. Um, so I'm very proud of that. And, and um, I always have those, those great memories. I'll carry with those, those with me the rest of my life. There is Coach Belichick, and then Kraft got up there after that. So they had two different pressers yesterday. One was the two of them, no questions allowed. The second one, two hours later, where Robert Kraft got up there and did take questions. But Kraft confirmed something that we all believed, but hearing it from Kraft made us think differently about Belichick next year. What Bill accomplished with us, in my opinion, will never be replicated. And the fact that it was done in the salary cap and free agency era makes it even more extraordinary. I thank Coach Bill for his hard work and dedication. It'll be difficult to see him in a cutoff hoodie on the sideline, but I will always continue to wish him continued success, except when he's playing our beloved Patriots. Not that we needed it, guys, but some confirmation there that he's coaching next year based on that. And then the last thing was the idea that we had all heard of, okay, could Belichick stay if he had a boss in between himself and Kraft? And Kraft discussed the idea of having a GM above Belichick. Where he had the responsibility and then someone else takes it, it's going to set up confusion and you know, well, it was his pick and that was a bad pick, you know, or he didn't play him right or, you know, it just, it wouldn't work. So I think when we take everything in yesterday, I think it's blatantly obvious Belichick was fired. They could say a mutual parting of ways. I love Belichick more than anyone. He was fired, (laughs) but they did it in a way that felt a little bit more comfortable than, honestly, than the Pete Carroll situation. Well, how much choice did Bill Belichick have? He couldn't go kicking and screaming because he ultimately still wants to coach and try to break Don Shula's record. Uh, he's 15 wins away from being able to do that. So he's going to have to put himself in position to get a job that will allow him to do just that over the next several years. And in order to do that, it has to have the air of being amicable, amicable in terms of your exit in Foxborough. So it just it made sense. This was the only way it was going to go. And... I'm glad that the Patriots organization is allowing him to be a coaching free agent rather than trying to get something back in value for him via trade. It just made sense for all parties involved that this was the path that they would go down. And it feels different than that of Seattle because we felt this coming for a long time. The Pete Carroll thing was a surprise because the Seahawks weren't as bad as the Patriots were this year. They were a team that we talked about being in playoff contention. So the Pete Carroll thing, while if you look at the results, you can rationalize why they would maybe want to go in a different direction. It's not as if they were like the Patriots this year, which have been pretty much bad from start to finish and has been a continuation of what we've seen over the past couple of years. But guys, in watching that press conference yesterday, I'm really glad that they went out or they ended this marriage, this very successful marriage on a positive note or seemingly a positive note, because we know that Bill Belichick still wants to coach again. Robert Kraft alluded to that. Bill Belichick has said that. I thought he wasn't going to leave without kicking and screaming and putting up a fight. (laughs) I thought it was going to be really ugly and really contentious. And when something 
ends and people like you, Evan, have so much emotional stock in this. You don't want to see it end on bad terms. So I'm really glad that for something that has meant so much to football, meant so much to sports, for it to reach its conclusion, I'm really happy that it, it did so in a positive way. For now. Yeah. For now. For now. I only say the for now because there's a documentary coming out about this dynasty with the Patriots that Kraft was interviewed, Belichick was interviewed, Brady was interviewed. That coming out in, in February on Apple and... Again, let's just put the for now part of it. It doesn't mean it's going to get ugly, but it means it has a chance to get ugly at some point maybe with some of the comments that may or may not be made in that documentary. I sure hope it doesn't, though. I don't want it to tarnish the legacy that these men have been able to build over the last two decades. I I just don't want that. I don't think football needs that. I think they need this to end positively. They don't need any, any more scandal heaped on top of what we've already seen. Like This needs to be a positive transition with all of those men stepping away from what we once knew as the best team in all of sports. No doubt. No doubt. You know, I was thinking about this also over the last 24 hours since this all came about. We all talk about the Patriot way. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to really find out if it's the Patriot way. Because we know it's the Belichick way as carried out by Tom Brady, right? Mm -hmm. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick probably forever since his dad was coaching at Navy, had this dream of how a football team is supposed to run. We've seen others from Josh McDaniels to Romeo Cornell to Eric Mangini to all these different people try to do it that way, and they have failed. The only person who can actually carry out the way in which Belichick wants it done was Tom Brady, and he did it perfectly. Flawlessly. But maybe the term Patriot way is not actually fair because do we it, Patriot way would indicate it's about the craft organization. I don't know that that's what's going to happen here moving forward. Well, uh, as your boy Jerry Cross said, my boy Jerry Cross, boy Jerry Cross, <laughs> yeah, that's my guy, Jerry Cross, as your boy Jerry Cross would say, organizations win championships. And, yes. and, 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 and I think that's, there, there is some merit to that because when you look at the infrastructure that Robert Kraft has been able to put in place, he facilitated Bill Belichick, becoming what he became. Remember, Bill Belichick was a failed coach with the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is his second go-round, and he was able to have success because he had an owner that gave him the autonomy and empowered him to set the groundwork to develop the players the way that he saw fit. And then, of course, Tom Brady, coming up in that environment, became the greatest quarterback that we've ever seen in the NFL. So I think that a big part of the success of the Patriots that goes understated is what Robert Kraft has been able to do in terms of creating the infrastructure that allows him to get the most out of his people. I also think it's called the Patriot way because what Bill Belichick was preaching is that no one piece of the puzzle is bigger than the next. So even though maybe he's the one that brought it in, whether it was Tom Brady or Randy Moss or Teddy Bruschi, you could go down the list of stars that had been there. Anyone that tells you about New England would say, Bill Belichick held everyone accountable. And what he preached essentially was, you go out there and do your job. You're one piece and a big part of all of this. And that's why we have success. So to call it the Belichick way would kind of be contradictory to what he was preaching, that I'm at the top and you're going to listen to what I have to say, even though that's how it played out. So I think that by calling it the Patriot way, it was really emblematic of what it actually was. It's amazing, though. When we look back at it, CeCe just described this as the greatest run in American sports history, right? No but it really did come out of nowhere. Just to put this in perspective for like somebody that wasn't that are younger fans that are listening to Unsportsmanlike right now and watching Unsportsmanlike. Like this would be as if Dan Quinn for the next 25 years won six Super Bowls. And the reason no, I'm serious. A guy who was a head coach, didn't win a championship, was an elite level defensive coordinator, then got a second head coaching spot, then lasted 24 years and won six Super Bowls. 
Maybe that's not a perfect comp. No, but I get that's what you're how saying. Unlikely it was. Now we know how great Belichick was as a defensive coordinator, but he had Parcells, right? This was not something like, oh yeah, he's clearly going to be the guy. Like Ben Johnson, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, probably has more. There's more belief that he's going to be the guy than Belichick had at that point with the Patriots. This was so unlikely on so many levels, and I think we all focus on the unlikeliness of of Brady. There was also an unlikeliness of Belichick with all of this. Now. Belichick somehow, some way, is going to have a massive impact on what happens this weekend in the NFL playoffs, Super Wild Card Weekend. How does Belichick impact it without coaching a game this weekend? We'll explain next. It's on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Bill Belichick, Super Wild Card Weekend. How do they fit together? We'll discuss. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $750 on average. Guys, one of the beauties of Bill Belichick forever is that he actually never really participates in Super Wild Card Weekend, either because recently he doesn't make the playoffs or he always has a bye, right? Ooh. So this is a weekend where he normally doesn't participate. Yet, CC, the Belichick presence seems like it may be hanging over Super Wild Card Weekend. Explain why. Well, it's because if you're a team that's looking to get over the hump and trying to compete at a championship level and your coach falls short during this postseason, why would you not consider hiring the greatest coach of all time? And I get it, Belichick might be there for a good time, not a long time, but you just want to get a championship. And if you have a roster that allow you to compete now – why would you take a risk on a coach that may be unproven in that regard or somebody that hasn't done it in a long time versus the greatest tactician that the NFL has ever seen? Yeah, if it's a team that has a lot of pieces in place and you really feel like you've come up short but that you are in your window to win a championship, why wouldn't you go out and get Bill Belichick? Now, like Cece said, not for a long time. I'm thinking maybe two, three years tops that Mm -hmm. you're looking at this as – we have a very small window to get this done. He's hungry. He obviously is proving himself, which sounds crazy to think that Bill Belichick is going to have to prove himself, but he's going into a new organization. He's chasing the all-times, all-time wins record, and he is probably wanting to prove that he still has a lot in the tank and that it's him that's responsible for a lot of the Patriots' success. I'm curious about that, Smalls, because you just said something. You think he still has to prove something? Like, if he steps into a locker room and he's in front of the players, do you feel like he still has to prove something? Maybe not to the players, but I think he probably feels that to himself. Sure, I agree with that. Yeah. When you're thinking about the way that the Patriots dynasty ended, 
He moved on from Tom Brady. Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl. <laughs> and Bill Belichick wanted to move on from Tom Brady before they moved on That's from true. Tom Brady. Yeah. And a lot of people point to Belichick and say, while you're a lot of the reason why the success was had, you also ended it because you moved on from him too quickly. Everyone wants to give Tom Brady all or most of the credit for what happened in New England. So I think Bill Belichick has a chip on his shoulder, which sounds crazy as someone who's had that much success in the National Football League. And he's thinking, okay, you want to doubt me? Okay, you think it was all Tom Brady? Let me go somewhere else and win and prove to you that I'm the football genius behind all of this. I totally get what you're saying, but this is where it drives me crazy. Like, he gives Brady all the credit all the time. He said it in the press conference yesterday, players win. He never shies away from that stuff. I think we make it into that more than maybe he does, at least in my opinion. But now, we're, we're human beings, though, Evan. He hears all the noise. He knows that everybody is saying, well, Tom Brady left and had success, and when Tom Brady left, you didn't. You couldn't get it done without him. He knows what everybody says But it's says also about on him. Kraft now, too. I mean, when we yeah. say that Belichick said goodbye to Brady, so did Kraft, and now Kraft has said goodbye to Belichick. Now, most people, the two of you included, believe Belichick and Kraft were wrong the first time to say goodbye to Brady, but they're right this time in saying goodbye at the time for uh, with Belichick. Now, Adam Schefter, ESPN senior NFL insider, had this over Bel- about Belichick looming over the postseason. I think the board is wide open, and I think today's developments could, could lead to other changes, potentially, whether that's with a team in the playoffs or out of the playoffs. We will see. But that's going to be something that all owners have to decide. And I think as the playoffs get underway this weekend, to a certain extent, Bill Belichick looms over them. Because if there's a team that falls on its face and falls flat, then that owner knows Mm. that there's quite an accomplished, proven coach out there right now. And I think Bill Belichick knows from his previous experiences with Tom Brady and post-Tom Brady, it's important for him to have a quarterback. And I don't know that he goes to a place that doesn't have one. Let's name names. Who needs to win this weekend? Oh, Sean, Sean McDermott, Mike McCarthy, and Nick Sirianni. Like, I'd be shocked if he's talking about anybody else. Like, those are all of the teams that came into the season with Super Bowl expectations. And if you get bounced in the wild card round, then that's a problem. Now, since we went to this current playoff format with seven teams and eliminating one of the bye weeks in each conference for the second seed, no second seed has lost in this format. So if you're the Bills and you lose at home to the Steelers, quarterback by Mason Rudolph, or if you're the Green Bay Packers, I mean, if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you lose to the Green Bay Packers, who have the youngest team in the NFL, who have the youngest playoff team since 1974, who's starting a quarterback in his first season as the full-time guy, if you lose to those people at home, then I could absolutely see those organizations, those owners, making the decision to fire their current head coach and upgrade to Bill Belichick. And I don't think it's debatable whether or not Bill Belichick, the coach, is an upgrade. I think people will argue, okay, Belichick and the organization from a personnel standpoint, maybe not the best, especially of recent, but there's no argument to be made about whether or not he's a better coach than Mike McCarthy, whether or not he's a better coach than Sean McDermott, whether or not he's a better coach than Nick Sirianni. I don't think those three guys would argue. No, of course not. I think they would say, of course he's better than us, but we don't deserve to lose our job is what they would say. Here's the crazy thing, Ev, and I couldn't believe this stat when I saw it by Chef Dave per uh, our own Hembo. During Belichick's 24-year tenure as the Patriots head coach, there have been... 162 coaches that have been fired across the 31 other teams with 224 individual coaching stats. Matty, that is back with the wi- Bears. That is <laughs> that is wild to me. Yeah, 
That is that, but that just that just shows you how good Bill Belichick is. So if you're a team that has a once in a lifetime opportunity to hire the greatest coach in NFL history, how could you forego that for the promise that is your coach that came up short on Wild Card Weekend? Is there one team that sticks out to you guys out of that crop? Because that's the group. But to me, it's Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. I he has been excellent this year. Yeah, he has helped Dak. Be excellent this year. Dak was in the MVP conversation this year. They have that synergy with one another. Mike McCarthy is a proven Super Bowl caliber coach. Like, he is a great coach. But Jerry Jones is not getting any younger. Mm -mm. The Dallas Cowboys have an interesting financial puzzle after this season. They're going to have to pay a lot of guys. The window is very short. And Jerry Jones is so desperate to win. And so I could absolutely – and the Packers are so dangerous to me because of everything you just outlined, CeCe. They have nothing to lose. They're a young team on the Ascension. They've, and they don't know any better. Exactly. And they've <laughs> already done what their job was this season, which is to no prove doubt. that Jordan Love is the guy and to prove that it was the right decision in moving on from Aaron Rodgers. Everything else now is just the icing on the cake if you're the Green Bay Packers, which makes them very dangerous to me, even though Dallas has been dominant at home. But I, if I just close my eyes and I can prognosticate this, I can absolutely see the Packers upsetting the Cowboys at home, Jerry Jones getting furious, he can't move on from Dak, so Mike McC- McCarthy is the sacrificial lamb, and he goes out there, and he brings in Bill Belichick. All fair. I'm going to answer your question, and I'm going to throw something else at you. I think that of those three, the one that to me is the juiciest is Philly. Because Jalen Hurts has that Brady-like mentality, that Belichick-Saban-like mentality of nothing affects him. He talks to no one, and he's just about doing his job. I I can't imagine Belichick watches Jalen Hurts and doesn't love him in terms of the who behind him. Did did Jalen Hurts throw Nick Sirianni under the bus, what what he said? We can play that coming up. Yeah, we can get into that. I just wanted to ask the question. When they're changing plays. He went Jameis on you, basically, (laughs) when they're changing plays. Well, not not just that, about what happened in Week 18 against the New York Giants. With well, the injury? Interesting. We, we will get to that. So uh, that's that's of this weekend, right? Uh, we've brought up the idea of Jacksonville. Because let's let's again focus on what CeCe said. We're talking about the greatest coach of all time and a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Now let's combine what Small said about something to prove. I would vote this person coach of the year this year. But if Cleveland loses on the road at Houston, mm. is there any more full circle moment than Bill Belichick finishing his career in the one place that he was not successful? How are you going to fire the guy that you think should be coach of the year? We've seen it done before. In yeah, in the, in the NBA, not in, Major the, League NFL, Baseball, not in the NFL. I don't, I don't think we've ever seen I it in the NFL. I would not fire Kevin Stefanski. All I'm saying to you is, <laughs> all I'm saying is if Bill Belichick actually let it be known he wanted to finish where he started, what are you going to do? What do you do? You keep Kevin Stefanski. Okay. And Kevin Stefanski's awesome, does not deserve to be fired. No. But so. most of the coaches we're talking about don't deserve to be fired, but they have Belichick. No, Nick Sirianni might deserve well, to be okay, fired. Okay, fine, him, maybe. Yeah, I mean, they've lost five of their last six games. He might deserve to be fired, especially if they go down and lose to the Bake Show. All right, let's. We're gonna we're gonna hold, yeah. we're, we're gonna continue with that. We got to do fair or foul on some of the uh, playoff matchups for this weekend. Super Wild Card Weekend, but yes, Belichick hanging over Super Wild Card Weekend. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two. Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! 
Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Welcome back to Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. I'm Michelle Smallman alongside Super Bowl champion Chris Canty, Hello. who has his bling on today. Let's go. That he earned in the Super Bowl. Evan Cohen is here. Evan, I'm surprised you're here, by the way. I thought you might take a bereavement day today. I'm really proud of you for showing up and doing your job as Bill Belichick he, would want you to do. He's not dead. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like well, he's, dead, I, he's dead to you because he's not your coach anymore. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, so you're, you're jumping ship. You're I no longer a Patriots fan. Deci- I have not wow. made that decision yet. Wow. I what did a not fraud. Say that. I did a not, coaching fraud. I did not Evan say Cohen that. is a sports fraud. Well, I agree, but I did not actually <laughs> wow. make that decision yet. Wow. Which I think is foul, which leads us into fair or foul. Wow, Smalls. Radio pro over there. All right, we're going to play a little game. Jack Prescott. Jack Prescott. We're going to lighten things up because Evan's been bummed out talking about Bill Belichick and the Patriots parting ways yesterday. So fair or foul, guys, super wild card weekend edition. Now this is going to be if they lose, blank is fair or foul. So let's kick things off. If they lose, is it fair or foul to question if the Dolphins should pay Tua? I think it's fair. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. They don't have to necessarily win, but in order for me to feel confident in paying Tua, Tua needs to be the reason why this team is competing in this matchup against the Chiefs. We know the Chiefs have a top-five defense. They have Pat Mahomes. They have Andy Reid. They have a really good offensive line and a really strong running game. So there are a lot of things that the the Dolphins have to overcome on top of the weather being minus four degrees at kickoff. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a situation where you're looking for Tua to be a force multiplier, especially considering the deficiencies that the Dolphins are coming into this game with on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not saying that this game is going to be a shootout. What I'm saying is that the offense is for the Dolphins is going to have to be the bus driver if they're going to compete in Arrowhead on the road. And so that is what I would need to see in order to feel confident in paying Tua. Make it a fourth quarter game and be the reason why your team is in it. That's what I need to see before I'm going to give you the bag. It's completely fair to question it. I still believe they're going to do it because I believe the Dolphins' faith as an organization, rightfully so, is in their head coach, Mike McDaniel, and I believe his faith is completely in Tua. But the question was about if they lose, can we question their decision? Absolutely. This is not like just paying Joe Burrow after he goes to a Super Bowl. Right. It's There's a question mark attached to this. And unfortunately, though, whether he wins or loses this weekend, the market dictates you're going to have to pay these guys a certain amount of money. Do you think the Giants really wanted to pay Daniel Jones 40 mil? <laughs> you know? No. But, but, it's a, but it's not going to start with a four with two. It's going to start with a five. That's, but two has done more than Daniel Jones has. So I just think. Has he? Well. Daniel Jones won a playoff game. Well, we'll see. Good point. Good point. <laughs> All right, next one. If they lose, is it fair or foul to question if the Chiefs' run is over? Foul. 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 Yeah, I, I think the Chiefs are a real dynasty. I, I don't, you know, they've, they've been to three Super Bowls in the span of five years, won two of them. 
and this might be a gap year in terms of competing for championships, I still, I still think in, in a cra- it, it, we could be living in a world where the Chiefs are in the AFC Championship game. I know it sounds weird to say that, but I think that's a possibility. It's on the board. They just need their receivers to catch the ball, which they haven't done all year long. Uh, but I will say this. I think that Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid have plenty of runway. Andy Reid, when they asked him about the retirement of Belichick, and I mean, well, the parting of ways with Belichick and the retirement of Saban, he said he's old, but he ain't that old, intimating that he's going to be coaching for for a few more years. So I just think that they're going to have more chances to win championships. Beyond foul. If you want to do a what happens with the Chiefs conversation off of them potentially losing at home to the Dolphins, it's who are they going to get? T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, or Mike Evans? That's the conversation. Those are the free agent wide receivers, I believe, that they're at top of the list. They're just going to go all in on actually making up for what they had lost this year, which is people that can catch the football. There's no way this dynasty is over if they lose on Saturday. None. It's hard to make that statement with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Correct. It, next one. Farrah filed a question if Baker Mayfield has done enough to be the Bucks quarterback next season. Yeah, he's done enough. I mean, coming into this year, our very own FPI projected them with a 16% chance of making the playoffs, and they won the division for a third straight year. So, yeah, I absolutely think Baker should go into 2024 as the starting quarterback of Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, I'm not saying that the Bucks can't look for other quarterback options, bring in competition, but Baker should absolutely have a seat at the table to be the starter down in Tampa next year. They, it's, it's, he's the guy. I totally agree. He's, it's fair to say that he's done enough, but my big thing with quarterbacks in terms of getting them, get them when you want them, not when you need them. Mm-hmm. If you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're drafting 20th overall. If you believe JJ McCarthy from Michigan or Michael Penix Jr. from Washington could be starters in the NFL, draft them. Perfect time to do it. Baker's your starter. No controversy, nothing until there's a controversy, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's true. What what, what yeah. Seattle point. did with Geno was wrong. They should have drafted somebody this year to pair with him. And I understand Witherspoon, your guy from Illinois, is great. I'm not doubting that. But they missed the boat because now they're going to have to draft somebody when they need one, not when they want one. I don't know. Devin Witherspoon's been pretty good. I, I'm not saying pretty instead of. Pretty I'm not saying good. instead of. I'm, not, I'm saying in addition to. There's no way I could have passed up on him if I was Seattle. Spoon, he's a, spoon is he's a perfect fit for them, too. All right, next one. This one's juicy. Farrah fouled to question if the Eagles overpaid Jalen Hurts. I think that's foul. He's clearly not healthy. And here's the thing. The offense for the Eagles isn't the biggest problem that they have. It's the defense. They can't stop a nosebleed. The <laughs> offense, even though it hasn't been as dynamic, it's still solid. You're still talking about the seventh-ranked scoring offense in the eighth-ranked total offense. So it's not as if Jalen Hurts ain't doing his thing. It's just that the team hasn't been as good because the defense isn't as good. They can't stop the run. They haven't been able to rush the passer to the level that they did last year, and their secondary is trash. Let's not pin all of this on Jalen Hurts. Totally agree. Foul. He may not be as good as we thought he was at one point. He's still better than the majority of the quarterbacks in the NFL. He's still, when he's right, a top 10 quarterback, I think, in the league. He's not right now because he's not right. And if you're presenting a problem, you got to present a solution. Who the heck are you going to get that's better than him? Here's the thing. We're talking about him now. He's got 38 touchdowns this year. All in, yeah. 38, 38 touchdowns. 23 passes, touchdowns, 15 runs. 38 touchdowns. They, it, it's foul to say that they overpaid him. Completely yeah, foul. Maybe he's not the problem. No. Nah. All right. Fair or foul to question if Deshaun Watson should be the Browns' backup quarterback next season. Fair. <laughs> I think it's fair. Now, listen, the cap number is going to dictate what ends up happening. NFL is like Vegas, the money plays. But if Joe Flacco is able to go on a deep playoff run, if he gets this team to the AFC Championship game or better, then I could see a world where Cleveland tries to work it out with keeping both Joe Flacco and Deshaun Watson. I just, 
how do you how do you move on from Flacco when there's proof of concept with the guys in that locker room that he can make them a championship contender? Like that's the part that that gets a little bit clunky if you're Kevin Stefanski and if you're Andrew Berry. And the only thing that's saving those guys' jobs right now, quite frankly, is Joe Flacco in the way that he's playing. So I I don't know. I think it's absolutely fair. It's on the board to consider Deshaun Watson as a backup option, even though he's got a cap hit of over $60 million next year. I'd say foul. Listen, in the previous segment, we're talking about Belichick. We're playing out hypotheticals of what could happen this weekend. All things go wrong. Where could he end up? I do not think that Belichick is going to end up with the Browns. That was not my point. My point was Kevin Stefanski's done a, a tremendous job. He's been so good, and Flacco's been so good, that if they lose, it's such a disappointment. That said, Joe Flacco, there's two options for him next year relative to the Browns after this run. Either he's the starter or he's not on the team. I don't know how you could have him backing up Deshaun Watson and not create a mess as a result of that. Yeah, he's not going to be the backup. He can't yeah. be. He's no. either the starter on, or on I'll another team away. or retire. Away, yeah. yeah, if they win the Super Bowl, Joe Flacco should never play again in the NFL. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer Joe Flacco. You go to you Canton. Walk. You go from Cleveland to Canton, and it's that's it. Short drive. Short drive. Short that's drive. it. That's you, right. you do not play again after that. No question. Last one. Fair or foul to question Mike McCarthy's job status? Fair. Fair. We were questioning his job status coming into the year. Fair. Like, I mean, listen, this Cowboys team has everything that you want. Top five offense, top five defense, quarterback playing at a near MVP level. I mean, Dak is not going to win it, but he's probably going to come in second as the runner-up. I mean, he's been phenomenal. He leads the league in touchdown passes. So, yeah, it it is absolutely fair to question McCarthy's job status. They have a clear path to getting to the NFC Championship game, a round that the Cowboys haven't gotten to in 27 years. They're going to host two home playoff games. This team has been awesome at home. They're 8-0, and and they score 37 points a game and have a plus-172 point differential. If you come up short in the playoffs, meaning you don't get to the conference championship game, then his ass should be fired. It is foul to question him, but it is fairly obvious that everyone is. And I know that I'm going to be wrong on this, right? If he loses to the Packers, he's probably going to get fired. But can I ask you this question, though? You can ask me any question. Belichick and Vrabel being on the open market puts pressure on McCarthy to realize the expectations on this team. Mm. If those guys are options for Jerry Jones, if and when that decision has to be made because they don't get to the conference championship game, then doesn't that make that a lot more logical? Doesn't it make it more reasonable for Jerry to part company with McCarthy? Because I will make the argument that right now, in this moment, both of those coaches are upgrades over Mike McCarthy. Okay, so Belichick is not debatable. We all agree on that. No. Vrabel is your opinion, which is a very fair opinion. You would rather have Mike Vrabel than Mike McCarthy. Based on resume, Mike McCarthy's resume is obviously greater than Vrabel because it's longer and more accomplished. Sure, but the the, the high-end success that we've seen from McCarthy is over a decade ago. What I'm talking about with Vrabel was the last six years. But I'm also going to say that McCarthy's had success the last however many years, too. I mean, they both have had success. All I'm saying is Vrabel's debatable. Belichick's not. If, if they lose to the Packers and Jerry Jones knows... Bill Belichick would come there, Mike McCarthy's done. Mike McCarthy's going to go to Seattle. Like, you know, I mean, and re- reunite with John Schneider, who he worked with in Green Bay. I-, I can't argue that as much as I love Mike McCarthy. All right, coming up. We know, by- oh, by the way, Nick Saban, the greatest coach in college football history. Uh, yeah, he retired the other day. He gave a sit down with Reese Davis and explained why he made the decision to retire. It may not be what you think. We'll get to that coming up next. It's on Sportsman Life, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. Breaking news from Chris Lowe at this moment. Nick Saban is retiring. Six national championships, the greatest coach of all time. I think he'd gotten to the point where he felt like he had given everything he could to make Alabama a championship contender every year. And this was the right time, the right place for him and his life and his family to walk away. I wonder how much that Nick Saban was thinking about this long before anything happened this season. He's the kind of man that says, you know what, I enjoy doing this, but at a certain point, I want to be with my family. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, by the way, um, Nick Saban's along with the coach of Alabama. Yeah. What? Super wild card weekend. Belichick, Carroll. Oh, yeah, the greatest coach we've ever seen in college football. Yeah, he's not the guy anymore. We are unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, Lowell Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen. You can be a part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dots of Pepper call in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the ones fans deserve. So Nick Saban did a sit-down interview with our very own Reese Davis, and Saban, Saban excuse me, gave his explanation as to why now was the time to walk away. No, I don't think there's any good time, especially when you're a coach, because once you're a coach, you think you're going to be a coach forever. But I actually thought that uh, in hiring coaches, uh, recruiting players, uh, that my age started to become a little bit of an issue. People wanted uh, assurances that I would be here for three years, five years, whatever, and that got harder and harder for me to be honest about. And to be honest, this last season uh, was grueling. Uh, It was a real grind uh, for us to come from where we started to where we got to. Uh, Took a little little more out of me than usual. And, you know, when people mentioned the health issue, it was really just the grind of can you do this the way you want to do it? Can you do it the way you've always done it and be able to sustain it and do it for the entire season? And if I couldn't make a commitment to do that in the future uh, the way I, I think I have to do it, um, I thought maybe this was the right time based on those two sets of circumstances uh, that, um, like I said, there's never a good time. I, I got to be honest, hearing this, it's unbelievably logical. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. It's like, like we want to sit here and have debates and conversations about everything. Like what he said makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, it's so obvious that I, I can't believe that none of us thought about right. it. But she was like, like yeah, so I'm sitting in kids' living rooms with their parents, and they want assurances that I'm going to be at Alabama for the next three or four years, and it's hard to do that when you're 73 years old. Right. It, it completely makes sense. And he talked about uh, the going back and forth uh, the day before his retirement, and he was just saying to himself, you know, I, I've – I've got to make a decision on whether or not I'm capable of putting the energy into this job that it takes in order to be successful. Knowing how arduous it is, knowing how hard it is to grow young men up in order to get the best out of them, not just on the football field, but also in life. And and the one thing that crystallizes it for me, and listening to my former teammate, Marcus Spears, who's the co-host on NFL Live, he was on SportsCenter last night, and he talked about the 2001 recruiting class um, and – in LSU, and and he asked Nick Saban, you know, are you going to leave? Are you are you going somewhere else? And Nick Saban told him, I'm not going to leave my babies. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about that recruiting class and thinking about how he has those close relationships with all of his former players and thinking about the relationships that he has with his current players. I, I just – it makes sense that he would transition away from the sport in this way just because this is a coach that takes the human element – in this job seriously. And and that's why in him being sincere, this became the right time for him to walk away. As sports fans, we focus on the results and on the greatness and we take the greatness for granted, quite frankly, but you're right. We don't think about the human being behind all of it. We don't think that this is a person with a family, even though he talks about Miss Terry all the time. We don't think about this as somebody with feelings, with somebody with empathy. And I think oftentimes in sports, we see so many people, especially people who are still operating at a high level. And we think they would never walk away. They, they still got it rolling. Why, why would they walk away from this situation now? And I thought what, Nick Saban did and hearing his rationale when he spoke to Reese Davis, I thought it was incredibly self-aware and I thought it was incredibly selfless, quite frankly, because this is somebody who time after time has staff turnover and Mm -hmm. he could have the people in place to keep this thing rolling and he could say, well, I'm going to delegate so much of what's on my plate to certain people. But he said, no, I care about this too much and I have too much pride in what I do and in my craft that if I can't operate at 100%, I'm not going to do it to myself. I'm not going to do it to these young men that I coach and my staff, and I'm not going to do it to the university. And so often we see people who hang on and want to squeeze every last drop out of this job and out of their success. And I just think it's remarkable that he had the self-awareness to say, I can't really do this that much longer, and I'm going to spend some time with my family. I also think what, what he's saying about the job and the grueling nature of it, I have to assume this is the part that changed. And you could speak towards this when you went to UVA. When he's recruiting these high school kids, he's telling them how great they are and how the, you know Alabama's awesome and everything like that. And then when they get there in the past, without NIL transfer, everything like that, it's, you haven't done anything at Alabama. Like, you got to work. Now, you can't stop recruiting because if you're not kissing up a little bit, they're going to leave. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they, like, as soon as you get to the Giants with Coughlin, it's like, you haven't done anything here. Oh, when I got to Dallas with Parcells, it was the same thing. But here's the thing that makes Alabama and Nick Saban a little bit different. 49 first-round draft picks. 49, between LSU and Alabama, 49 first-round draft picks. It was almost one of those things that sold itself. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to get to the league, I got you. Just just here's how you do it. Now, it became a lot harder for guys to buy their time because of transfer portal, like you're saying, Ev. Yeah. But it's still one of those things like, okay, you know that if you have an opportunity within the calendar year to step on the field for Nick Saban, he's going to turn you into a draft pick. 
And that is the ultimate goal for the majority of these guys that he's recruiting from the prep ranks. So I guess the thing that makes it special is, like you said, Smalls, to have that self-awareness to know when, when to step away. It's actually another feather in the cap for me mm. why he's the greatest coach of all time in college football. To know when it's time to walk away rather than to hold on. To know when it's time to cede the control of the program to somebody else. To make sure that you're able to have that sustained success. Not to tarnish your legacy in any way, but create an avenue for somebody to build onto it. And and I think that part of it can't be understated. And what's interesting is we all kind of assume this is all NIL-based and everything like that. And it wasn't exclusively that. But NIL is a big thing, which takes us to where Alabama goes next. Because a lot of people are mentioning Mike Norvell, Florida State. Kalen DeBoer, Washington. Dan Murphy, ESPN.com. I'm going to read you what he's reported. Front page of of the site right now. The NCAA on Thursday announced significant penalties for the Florida State football team, including two years probation and disassociating with its NIL collective for one season for violating rules on using name, image, and likeness offers as a recruitment inducement, which, by the way, separate from reading this, that's a joke because every single school is doing this. Now FSU is all of a sudden the school that's penalized, but it does take us to the place of (laughs) if you are Mike Norvell and your job is hard enough as it is, considering the conference you're in versus being in the SEC, and Alabama comes knocking, you may answer that door. And, oh, by the way, if we're going to connect dots more, let's see. Florida State has an opening for a head coaching position, hypothetically. Where would they go? Hmm. Prime time. I'm just laughing because I wonder if this is ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips trying to get some get back through the NCAA to Florida State. Okay. I'm, I said that to Nuno today. I said the exact same thing. I said the exact same thing. And Nuno said to me, our producer, is like, no, they've been doing this for too long. And I'm like, did they accelerate it now? Yeah. Just, I'm just saying. saying. Just saying. Could all of this somehow end up with prime time back at his school in FSU? Well, we sign up for that. We're on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.